I can go a long stretch without turning on the shortwave radio or without building an aerial or without building a microphone or without recording anything. But I'll still be listening. It's recording now. So That's okay. Some level, and this is how I'll be talking, I expect. To listeners of the show, the show starting with a conversation about mic placement is an indication that I'm talking to someone in the audio business. <laughs> I think nearly everybody that I've done conversations with who's done audio have been really interested in the mics out, but probably not as much as today. I mean, there's a pile of books on top of a pile of CDs that are on top of a metal bar to weight one side of it, and then the metal bar is going out into the middle of this bench that we're sat on, and the microphone is tethered to that that metal bar by a piece of wire, and we're in a greenhouse, Yes, which is where I wanted to do this conversation, because, well, we'll get into that a bit more in in a moment, but I could have interviewed you next year, but then it wouldn't have been in this location. Mm. And I kind of wanted to be in this location because this is a location that I have seen you in the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in a way, you're a returning guest to the show. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Connor. Uh, hello, Connor. Hello, Dave. How are you? I am good. I'm good. We neither of us have slept much. Yeah. We've said off mic beforehand, so mm. I'm having a cup of coffee to hopefully keep me keep me uh, focused or at least awake. Yeah. The first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? I know you because. There I was in my glass house one night and you barged in and said, listen to GBA. Yeah, that's kind of true. It's, it's, it's kind of true. It was mostly deceitful in the way I said it. No, that's true. So. <laughs> it was, so this glass house, it's run by a group I volunteer for called In the Dark. Every last Thursday of the month, we've had an open mini jack night, which is like an open mic night, but it's for people who want to play radio to us. Yeah. Be it their own stuff or stuff they found on a cassette or whatever. And... You came along once. Yeah, only once, which has been my eternal... Like, it's on a Thursday, so that's mm. quite a hard day for me to make things. And a lot of things seem to be on Thursdays as well. Yeah, it's They're true. in high demand. That's true. That's yeah. true, because my day job, I'm sometimes late here because I have to do stuff on Thursday evenings. Yeah. Work. But anyway, so you came in, and it was the day after you'd been in Five Live recording one of these... Or okay. two days after. Yeah, okay. It was that like, might... that was the bank holiday Monday. Yeah, that's right. In, and you'd been on air, I think, that Monday. That's right, I had yeah. been on... Uh, um, Helen and Ollie's Required Listening, which mm. was a roundup of kind of interesting podcasts, I mm. guess. And I was talking about Getting Better Acquainted and Spark London on there, mm. um, which was an interesting experience. But then, yeah, I came along to here on the Thursday and met a whole load of people who do audio, which was a great. I, mean, it's, I think, you know, that's. I'm really pleased I came along that night because I met a lot of people who were. Uh, well, there was only really, four people well, here. Yeah, I know, but that's that was the start of it. <laughs> yeah, do you know that's what we found here that even if there's like four people here, we don't consider that in any way a failure. It's that it's a small space for a start. Yeah. But you're building a community one person at a time. Yeah. If there's four hundred people out there, then maybe four of them will come up afterwards and talk to you, and you've maybe made a contact with them. But when it's four people in the same space together, that's how you build a community. You have to talk. Yeah, that's and we've been really happy that. Yes, it's kind of one person per week or maybe one person per month 
we've been building up this community so yeah. we're very happy with that no that was cool and actually i, I say I, i've only been here one once but that i meant on the one th- that one thursday because i would have liked mm. to have come to some more mini jack nights and subjected some more people to some, <laughs> some extracts of getting better acquainted it, i mean coming along to a, a mini jack night is is kind of in my best interest as much as in in in, in well your 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 best interest of having an extra body in the room it's in, it's more in my best interest because i get to play my audio to people who are interested in audio which is hard to uh, it's hard to kind of slot into everyday conversation you know uh, playing a bit of a podcast to people that's it it's the, yeah you need a, a forum to be able to play something with audio i mean you can show someone a photo a lot easier than you yeah. can you know and in different sort of environments I imagine it must take a lot of guts, though, as well, if you're a beginner, to come in here and play stuff. I mean, I've had there have been two people in here who they're just beginning, and they've made one or two pieces, and they came in, and then they came together because they were friends. And I think you're much more likely to come with someone to just present your work. Yeah. When you don't, you know, you just want to know what am I doing, and to ask that and sort of bear all, if you like, must be very difficult. Yeah. And I think it's easier for you because you do all sorts of events and you've done like I'm kind of used to it as well odd episodes yeah yeah that's that's true I had I had got a lot under my belt when I came yeah. here and actually like you said you had been on five lives <clears> before so our glass house is not so intimidating yeah, that you've yeah. been on I, that, Radio. that particular week yeah I was in mm. quite uh, yeah good self-confident spirits mm. uh, so it was a lucky week to to be coming certainly so this 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 glass house that we're in is called the invisible picture palace um what is the that, Invisible yeah? Picture Palace is currently in the glass house. Right. Until today. Today is our last day in this glass house. The Invisible Picture Palace lives on. Ah, brilliant. We'll be using the Harbour Face pop-up. I hate pop-up this, pop-up that. I just don't like it. But we will be popping up. Um, yeah, well, I hate the term podcast, but you just have to do yeah. know what these things are Fair enough. <laughs> really, Jade podcast. Yeah, it's branded, isn't it? Like, it's kind of like unnecessarily branded. Like and people don't really know mm. what a podcast is. like if it, like if it had been something like internet radio or mm. you know something like that that stuck then it would be much easier to describe to people than a podcast which sounds kind of cold and weird and a bit kind of science fiction and, you know <laughs> yeah whereas I try and make warm and very human and in the moment kind of audio but podcast yeah makes it sound like something corporate and futuristic I think podcast has lots of different interpretations which is partially it's weakness that a lot of people have a very strict view of what a podcast is even with Inside in the Dark we were recently edited, producing a series guest creating a series of four podcasts and we were discussing formats and and um, one person one of the we each producing our own episodes and one person said I was discussing a potential format and one of the other people said Connor it's a podcast and I think that doesn't actually define anything but even people who are big into audio have a and such as yourself you have one view of, of what a podcast yeah, is yeah sure there's other people for whom podcast means something like GBA yeah conversations well, a lot what, of people that's what it means that's what it's yeah well, that's, but there's also that's people that's useful for me that that's what people think of because po- conversations have become a really popular strand of, of podcasts and in fact that the, the, yeah, the second time I yeah. sort of came in, or no, well, not the second. I think I came to see Robin the Fog do a mm. talk as well. But the, the the third time I came to this this greenhouse, which I've come to love and, and know very well, <laughs> yeah. was to do a, a, a talk about in conversation podcasting. And yeah, to a lot of people, those things are synonymous. But there are also some really excellent other things out there. Well, for a lot of a lot of other people, podcasting simply means 
listening to a BBC programme yeah. at a time you choose. Yeah, listen again sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's all it means. And there's all these different interpretations of it. So it's But the derivative of the word was from, an, was from iPod, yeah. wasn't it? So that, yeah. that is problematic to me in the first place. Although I think kind of pod does sound kind of nice because it does work because you're in a kind of pod when you put your headphones on. But, 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 but not everyone knows that. I mean, I, I've, I have iPod, met people so. who, who, who said, said that to be podcasting. Where are the pods? Yeah, and and it, well, and they do think it's kind of sci-fi. And it's yeah. like you're the pod people. Yeah, that's. What I'm saying. like, I then play on it and go, yes, we're the pod people, <laughs> um, which is, you know, you can do that. Why not? I suppose yeah. because it's difficult for someone to understand what a different type of podcast is if they don't just listen to it. Yeah, no, if, that's you true. know, you can someone who's used to listening to In Our Time on their iPod and only BBC stuff. You meet them and, and you say you're a podcaster. You can try to explain to them what GBA is, but it's so much easier if they just listen to it yeah. themselves. And yeah. then they'll have, oh, podcasting can be all sorts of things. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that's, that's, that was my experience. I mean, the first podcast I was involved with was, was actually a drama series for Rethink Daily, which, I mean, that was nominated for a Sony Award, mm. an episode of that. Oh, that was great. But, but for that, at that moment in my life, it was just like a way of me getting my dramas out to people like just a like I didn't, wasn't even thinking about the format particularly I didn't realize you know I didn't really it took me years to then start listening to podcasts and then really like realize after I'd already been nominated for a Sony for a podcast yeah. like at least five years or so later I sort of was like oh hang on that's why you know that's what they are that's how that's another thing they can be or, and or they're, they're lots of different things and mm. you know because I, I, I thought podcasts weren't for me, you know, but then I suddenly realised they were, you know, and now I'm yeah. a mad advocate <laughs> yeah, of podcasts. Yeah. You know? I said a lot of people do, I think especially in the earlier days, people thought, oh, they're not for me. I remember once there was a very, when I, I was working in the BBC in 2007, I guess, there was quite a, quite a pushy, posh woman who um, got a week's work experience. Or maybe it was just a day, I don't know. Anyway, she was trailing me for the day. And... I was saying you, know, you, don't, you don't have to do radio you can always do podcasting and said, oh podcasting no I, I listened to Ricky Gervais one the Ricky Gervais podcast like she was, yeah, wouldn't pronounce yeah. the S in, in any way I said oh no I hate it that's just one yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. but it, and it hadn't sunk in that people just thought oh it's not for me just based on a little sliver of it and it's yeah. quite hard to no that was I think that might have been the first podcast I ever listened to though with Ricky Thank Gervais you. I mean and, and I I had that on my um, MP3 player that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of music on and then a few mm. of that and then occasionally the Ricky Gervais podcast would come up and I mean, you know, I, I think they've caused a lot of problems for podcasters generally in terms of image but I do think that the first ones of his podcasts were very good. I mean, mm. and they, they, you know, they, were, they, they embraced what is one of the things that's very successful about podcasting, you know, loose format, conversational tone, all the stuff I go for in my show. Mm. But it took me years to work out that, guess what, other people do it as well as Ricky Gervais. You know, yeah. he really branded it for a while on himself, with himself, you know, mm. successfully, well done. In this uh, country? Yeah, yeah, in this yeah, country. Yeah. I used to work for the company that... that um, operated the Radio Sweden podcast like 2004, 2005 when there were very few podcasts out there everyone was listening to Radio Sweden's podcast because there were you know, a handful <laughs> of podcasts out there and their numbers were huge and then by I don't know, four or five years later less when I was there, three or four years later it really had dipped away big time and it was almost nothing to it 
but in the early days it's like because Sweet. there were so few out there mm. As, yeah, anyway. well, it, yeah, no, well, it, it's it's true, and it's I think it, with these things, it's really good. The people who get in early benefit a lot from it uh, initially. Initially, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a funny a podcasts are a funny one. I, I'm still waiting for the BBC to fully embrace them, even though I know that there's a lot of BBC podcasts out there. And hey, I've I've got I'm, I'm being produced on on the BBC. I'm, I'm my stuff's going out on the BBC uh, as a podcast. Not you know, not this one, children's one. It will be. Yeah. But it still seems like it's like a, a second thought almost a lot of the time. Like I'm like they're moving towards, and there are a few. Like there's um, what's it called? There's one for people with disabilities that is only a podcast. There's a radio show that's only, right, yeah, yeah, and I've heard that a few times. And I think ouch. that's right. Ouch, yeah. is that still going? Yeah, that, I I don't know if it's still going, but mm. it's it's funny, isn't it? That's the other thing. They kind of come and go. They they try them out and then they yeah. work, they work or they don't. Well, that's a great flexibility of podcasts. Yeah. I have to say, I kind of, I'm going to defend the BBC on this. I okay, think they're really it. improving at that. And they're using it as a way of opening up their archives. For, for me, oh, one yeah, of the, the issues I've had... yeah, archive-wise, they're really good for it. Yeah, they're yeah, opening yeah. up their archives. And sort of years of currently running programmes, like I think Farming Today, for instance, right. you can get years back. Yeah, well, that's and really that's, good. That's, and that's, that's really, really And that's something that they haven't really been doing at all, and it's been very frustrating. The seven days, stuff staying online only for seven days. Yeah. And that's gradually changing in in the sort of the features area which is what I'm more interested in as well yeah but it reminds me of, of my first job in radio was 2003 2004 and there was a phrase which was said there which I've heard was also used a lot in the states and stuff when you had too much tape and you said but it's really good I want to use it all and someone would say put it on the website and it was like it was almost like a way of placating a producer and yeah. saying yeah just just put it on the website so they'll be happy you know no one's going to listen to it it's not on the radio we don't care but you just do that and that's to people like you and I that has surpassed broadcast radio now yeah. in the overall picture no it hasn't no but there's a lot of people for whom putting it on the web just put it on the website is where it's at before I ask you the second question I guess I should wrap up so you, what you said was the Invisible Picture Palace lives on. Yes. So before it lived on, it was where we're at now, which is a greenhouse where uh, you sell radio, uh, you have events, which are, many of which have been me. I did a, a residency <laughs> as well as a talk here. Five days where you came to everyone. You're the the cut the the uh, the card the the coffee card carrying GBA. <laughs> GBA yeah. You've got all your guard. stamps. And that's how you get a free interview. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. This is, here's, here's your, and here's your free interview right here. And what's it living on as, then, the Invisible Picture Palace? What's it going to be? It's going to be at, at it's going to be festivals. You know, it's it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be at like one-day events, week-long events, things like that. So we're going to bring all this collection, and maybe not everything, but the LPs, CDs of the fantastic library we have in the computer. There's, yeah, there's, and there's the, records on the wall that really interesting everything's really interesting isn't it? that's the thing <laughs> good and it's all radio stories documentaries spoken word poetry interesting sounds rather yeah. than being a music record store we'll be bringing a selection of this to different events so that that you can and you'll sell that yeah, yeah. So, and, but also the really big thing is just that we have this library and you can pick something and sit down and listen so it's going to be the dual function because what, what happens here yeah. is people can come and listen yeah. and they can also buy yeah. so when you pop up you're going <laughs> to allow people to listen there yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely festivals and stuff. definitely 
Decade. Yeah. And and in the dark as well is the parent of the Invisible Picture Palace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Invisible Picture Palace is one of our projects. In the dark is about four people at the core, and then about ten-ish people who do have individual roles and sort of spread out around us. And at the moment, as we record, anyway, we're all voluntary. And part of what that means is we can't just keep doing the same thing. We have to keep it interesting for ourselves. Mm. And that's part of why it's so successful and so good. Because, you know, this idea, for instance, we didn't intend at the start of 2012 to be running a record store. Yeah. That was not on the to-do list. No. We have our year planned out, but that was not there. And we, we said, we got an idea. I thought, let's do it. And it was you know exciting for us yeah. to do. And so, yeah, we have sort of spectacular monthly events, semi-monthly events, and we're going to have more of those. We're starting, well, we will have started back to those by the time this goes out. That's yeah. exciting, because I never managed to go to any of the In the, in the Dark events back in the days mm. when they were going on more. Are you, is, it, is it going to be like the same format as In the Dark used to be, of kind of a, an audience in the dark listening to audio? Yes, but, you know, like, we always are happy to try different... We're always sort of tweaking it as befits... The producer, or the you know the guest curator, or yeah. because initially it was all getting guests in to curate an evening. So big name radio producers come in to pick stuff that's inspired them, and then to play their own great work. But then around the middle of last year, actually the first one was in this glass house in October 2011. We thought you know we have a lot of knowledge between us, and if it's a smaller event, certainly we can curate an hour or 50 minutes of audio ourselves and play it as a continuous mix rather than having the curator playing something, talking about it, playing the next piece, talking a bit, playing a bit. Mm. And so we started with one in here on Gardens, for instance. And we're going to be doing that. We're travelling. Our big one last year was called One Night Stand, Mm -hmm. an evening of hardcore listening. Nice. This was in a pub off Carnaby Street. It's since been played in a hostel in Portugal. It's going to Antwerp and Amsterdam in January 2013. And... um, yeah, people really like that one for some reason. <laughs> it really sells. Um, so we're yeah, there's we're always very, we're happy to vary the format to the best effect. Well, yeah, I mean you varied it up so much that when I was doing my residency, it was basically I was recording conversations in a room with invited audience, which is kind of the almost the opposite of what you are about because you normally play audio, whereas I was like recording it and it would go out online later, which is and and yours you're very much about the live listening yeah. event. Yeah, um, like the the group listening and people listening together. Yeah, the shared experience, it, which 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 my thing did have. That was the yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, it did have yeah, that, yeah. and there was it was really nice to have audiences in them. It's given me a bit of a bug for it. I think I'm definitely going to do cool. similar sorts of things. Um, I think for the hundredth episode, I've, I've already planned it. I've um, I've I've booked in a my my house as the venue, and I'm I'm having um, you know most of the significant people in my life getting together and playing them clips and really? and, and we'll do sort of talk, talking about it um, wow. so a lot of you know everyone who, who who I've invited has been on it but it's it's specifically the inner circle I guess yeah. the, the, of acquaintances but I'm going to try and get acquaintances who are outer circle to send in little yeah. clips and stuff so that's kind of exciting but I think it's going to be yeah it's going to be mega but it was great fantastic. it was great here I mean it, but it was great and I'm going to put out the um, the live conversations that, the week running up to that mm. to that as yeah, well yeah. 
Um, so that's going to be an overload of audio. No one's going to listen to <laughs> them, are they? That's going to be like, what, sort of six hours of, yeah. you know, seven or something hours of audio. Everyone's going to be like, great, overload. But, <laughs> but hey, I'm, I'm, that's what I like to do. Brilliant. Uh, but <laughs> See if you can take it internet. Oh, my, that's my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exa- well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I better do it now while they're in beta testing. Yeah. So, yeah, the second question that I ask everybody is what do you do now? So we've covered what you do for love almost. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense to, to sort of touch on what you do for your day job as yeah. well as whatever else you might consider yourself to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the primary thing I do is in the dark. <laughs> Secondarily to that is, is the day job, which is a multimedia producer for a foreign policy think tank. By the time this goes out, that may not be the case. I've already, right. I, they, they know I'm leaving cool. in 2013, but we'll see how it happen, how, how we work it out because I want to do it as, as smooth a transition for them as possible. I produce well, podcasts and video on international relations. It's very difficult to get interesting stuff in, in that. I got into that field mostly after I had been working in, in a newsroom doing world news for the radio, and I, I thought this wasn't making enough of a difference in the world you know you were re- I was reaching sort of politicians because it was the, the main news networks you know they're making some small difference I thought maybe there's a way to make more of a difference so I decided to go into NGOs or whatever and that meant taking an internship because I hadn't been in that field before at the age of 28 <laughs> and the internship that I got was in comms rather than you know sort of policy or whatever but comms okay and then when I was in the comms office they said you can do podcasts maybe we should do podcasts and I sort of designed their podcast and then my internship finished I was asked back a year or something later to sort of tighten it up a bit because they started producing after I had left and it needed work and we were able to expand anyway that was International Crisis Group in Brussels and I sort of did that and did I had you live it. in Brussels while you yeah, were there yeah I really like Brussels it's it's so Belgian it's really really absurd <laughs> and, you know, if you think of Magritte this is like Magritte'sville it's such an absurd city, but it's very comfortable. I mean, there's there's problems with it, and there are other cities in, in Belgium that are nicer in lots of ways. But it's, if you embrace the madness of it, just the surreal nature of it, you can really enjoy it. There's a fantastic art scene there, fantastic radio scene as well. Yeah. Really interesting radio scene, because there's these immigrant community radio stations. So you'll hear, you know, Islamic prayers going on for a long long time and you can tune down the band and like there's an official German radio station there for the German speaking population of Belgium there's French there's Dutch there are attempts at English stations that don't work out there's different types of music stations there's like two student stations two campus stations and then a sort of an artsy station as well and it's just brilliant it's just really really vibrant place sounds it yeah sounds good. really really good place anyway sorry <laughs> That's not what I do now. That's how I got to doing what I do now. I had this reputation in that field of, of international relations. So when you say making a difference, I mm. mean, what, what does that mean to you? What's that? don't know anymore. <laughs> so I, don't, you, I don't know anymore. I mean, I, sorry, I'm going to have a Christmas. No, I might have a Christmas yeah. as well, actually. Um, how do you make... I, I don't know. I think I was 28. I was, you know, uh, I was idealistic. And I was a SOAS graduate, so I was really idealistic. And I think, I think I'm... As happy that my forum for making a difference can be in, in something on a smaller scale, on a less sort of changing, literally changing the world scale, as in just helping individuals, which is what I think really good radio features can do, and especially radio comedy 
Okay. And this is, I'm not really one for regrets, but I do have one almost regret from when I was at the BBC. I was working in the Chinese service and there was an internal job advertiser doing the same role as I was doing, but in the comedy unit, radio comedy. And I was really, really tempted. And I thought, you know what, no, I shouldn't because it's it's more worthy to stay doing news and current affairs and you're informing people of China, what's going on, and other things like this. And now, you know, I still, I think having a good laugh can help people so much. And I think sure. radio is a great thing because the companionship of radio plus the means it reaches the people who are lonely in many cases and a laugh can make such a difference. So I think radio features and radio in general can be very good for the soul. And, and that's probably how I'm going to make a difference in the, in the future. Did I make a real vibrating noise in the mic there? Did you um, hear it? Not much of a vibrating noise. It, you notice. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right, quite loud. Sorry. <laughs> that's right. So you graduated from SOAS. Did mm. you do Chinese? Yeah. My, my brief Facebook stalking of you this morning. <laughs> Why did you do Chinese? I mean, I, I, might, I can guess at some answers, but you should answer yourself. Because I wanted to be special. And I've had this conversation with a few of not my classmates or my people in, doing my, in the Chinese class for me. And it, basically it boils down to when you face up to it, yeah, I wanted to be special. <laughs> I wanted to do something a bit special. Because it's unusual. Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Viewed as difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do that. And you can speak Chinese. Yeah. I mean, I'm reluctant to these days. I don't, I haven't practiced it very much. And it's, I know that it, it's gone a lot really gone down yeah I bet I can if I have to basic stuff but China is like the big the biggest power in the world I mean mm. I mean in that respect it's pretty useful having learned Chinese because it means you know when they take over you'll be able to get a good job then I could be doing that now <laughs> sure yeah um, and I'm not and I no, quite sort of consciously left it because I used to love Beijing absolutely love it I mean for all its faults I used to love it but my last year there I was working in state media in China Radio International, which is the equivalent of the BBC World Service, but it's it's you know, blatant propaganda, ridiculous propaganda, and hard to make a difference in propaganda. <laughs> well, actually, easy to make a difference in propaganda, but the wrong kind of difference. Mm. But do you want a blanket? It's quite cold. Um, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind yeah. actually. Why not? It is getting chilly, and rather than turn on the heater. Yeah, no. Fire's gone out as usual. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to have the sound of the heater. It's much better to just have the sound of us eating crisps. crisps yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet people can tell what crisps they are as well. I'm some people, people would can. be. Yeah, yeah. The fact that we can't stop eating them may be a hint as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> and apparently they're not crisps. They're like cakes or something. I think they're just they're just e numbers, aren't they? Yeah. Just like mm. tied together with <laughs> spit. Tiny, yeah, tiny, <laughs> tiny bits of. Yeah, food. The whole sort of business scene and stuff there was really yucky, you know. And but that's actually I know that most of the complaints that I would have and that people like me would have about China, you can make about most countries in the world. Yeah, I think that's true. And the culture shock, okay, that kind of applies everywhere. The cultural differences, the, there are big cultural differences. Yeah, but that's you know, you know, I live in London. I'm not. And there's a different culture here from the one I grew up in. So sure. you know. Well, you, you, did you which part of Ireland was, was it southern or yeah yeah southern Ireland southeast coast yeah. that's not something you want to make a mistake about um, yeah <laughs> basically I'm I'm comprehensible so I'm not from the north my, no yeah, that's my, not true well my, my stepdad true. was from Northern Ireland so right you have a yeah I, 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 and but we went to stay in South, Southern Ireland as well when I was mm. growing up so I'm kind of familiar with both accents but ne- I, I find it hard to 
I never trust my judgment, so I always go. Do you if, know, if I go, oh, that must that's Southern Irish, then I'm like, then I'm more likely to say, are you Northern Irish? Because I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll doubt my judgment and then yeah. switch it around. Do you know this is this is embarrassing, but there's times when I can't tell the difference between, let's say, a northeastern accent and a Welsh accent. Really? Yeah. Wow. I can under. I, I know. I know Welsh accents. That's about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're allowed. So you're saying that <laughs> the cultural difference wasn't a problem too much, and well, I didn't like who I had become there. Okay. Because I was working in this this radio station, mostly socialising with expats, which I hadn't really done before. Because you couldn't trust your Chinese colleagues, right? Because okay. they were most of them were members of the Communist Party, and the way you advance in the Communist Party is you stab someone else in the back, and you say, "Look how bad they are," and so you get promoted, and that applies to whoever. And the foreigners are an easy target because they're kept out. I was a features producer. I went to one features production weekly meeting, and then afterwards they asked me to not not to bother coming again. Wow! So I didn't know what was going on. Every week I was just doing my own thing. And as much as you can, you know. And so it, you you would hang out, you know, I, I still friends with some of the, the foreigners there. Oddly, when I was there, it was mostly Irish and Canadians. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was all Irish and Canadian in, in the English service. And that wasn't, you know, that was, I just uh, didn't really like who I had become. And, th- and that sort of exacerbates all the issues you can have with the place and the, the stages of... of well, not really homesickness at that stage, but the the cultural clashes, yeah. Okay. You know, and the environment. I mean, the environment is horrible there. The natural environment, the air. It's a terrible place to live in that regard. And these things all sort of pile up. You know, there was actually a radio reason as well. At one point, they used my program to jam other programs, kind of unintentionally, I think, in that they were testing a new transmitter. Out in Xinjiang, they had these. They bought these enormous transmitters from France, and out in, in Xinjiang, in the far west of China, they had this big transmitter site, and they were just testing them. So they just leave them running all the time. Which I think it's kind of normal. It's like breaking it in, and it was a Thursday, which was the day my program went out. So they just took the hour. Does it like the loop? There was an hour of news and features every day. Right. Okay. Um, and they'd update the news um, like three times a day, maybe. And so there was a satellite signal that would just play that on continuous loop, and so they just they just you know plugged that that in to have something while they were testing the transmitter, but there were other stations that would use that frequency at certain times of the day, so by rights they should have turned off at the times when the other station was using the same frequency. This is how shortwave works. It's it's different from other radio, right? But they just left it on, and I read online there's a community called DX Listening Digest. Which is about which is shortwave listeners and people were monitoring it, and they they referenced my program. Okay, and they said it was good, but I didn't know if they were being sarcastic or not because they were complaining about the, the jamming. Jamming the signal, yeah. yeah. So I was like, mm. um, and that was kind of a turning point for me. But there was another broad, more sort of rolling element to it. The only quality they care about is technical quality. The only quality they can assess. Is technical quality because the programs a good quality program in a Chinese radio station is one that doesn't offend yeah. politically yeah and that's it so they tell me they like my programs <laughs> dog of giving someone self-doubt you know it's like oh it's a great program damn does that mean it's really bad yeah, so then the, because they like it because yeah, the communist yeah, party yeah, yeah. countries like it oh no so I decided to leave and, and hopefully go to the BBC which uh, my mind was then was like 
Holy Grail. Which that was the, the the end of the rainbow, and then you got yeah. there. <laughs> well, I was in Radio Four was where I would have loved to go, but I got to the World Service and the Chinese Service well, where I, mean, I was doing. It's a natural progression in a way. Yeah, and it was full of people who were formerly of China Radio International as well. I wasn't the only one by any means. So did you studied at SOAS, and then you went to China to work in radio, yeah. and then you came to the BBC the yeah. World Service China Division. <laughs> then you went to into an NGO um, I, to do I, an internship. Yeah, I mean, in between, I went to New Zealand for about a year. But yes, okay. then I went to the NGO sector, thinking, okay, I'll you know I'll leave radio and I'll do this making a difference thing. After a month, I said, no, I need to go back to radio. <laughs> but I kind of got pigeonholed doing online stuff. So at least you're making a kind of radio for them, though. I mean, I I, I can't view it as such because I can't I can't <laughs> get good audio out of it. Okay. Mm. Okay. And you make you make a sort of you have your your own coffee flavored tea. Have I got mm. that right? Yeah. You sort of have a little output on like you make a very short podcast. Yeah. It's like it's just stuff when I when it, the mood takes me. Yeah. You know, I don't have an audience in mind or an editor or any sort of listener. So it's just, oh, I'd like to use a microphone today, or there's a sound. Like when I was cleaning out the stove earlier today, I like <laughs> sort of risked burning my recorder by sticking it into the, the top of the vent when the flames were burning up. Oh, wow. Um, and it's a brilliant sound. So um, there's a wood-burning stove in here. Sorry, yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's fine. People, people. Well, by the time this goes out, probably the other, the other, like, the oh, other five, God, everyone knows place. that place, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Not back there again. So, I mean, when did audio come into your awareness... Um, radio was always on in my family, um, especially my father would listen a lot. That would be RTE, would it be? RTE Radio 1 and Radio 4 on Longwave. Okay. Um, it's Irish radio for people who don't know. Did you show it off that you know what RTE well, is? Well, I know. What, um, yeah, I've heard a few podcasts from RTE that mm. I like. Um, oh, but I mean, it's, um, well, no, just one-off things. I, can't, right. I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't name them. From what I can make out of RTE, it's kind of very much... Very similar to uh, the BBC. In but mm. you'll know more about how it's different, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, broadly, you know, it's it's a, a state, a national public broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, so in that regard, yeah, it's it's broadly similar. It's done for done on a lower budget, so it's a different sort of structure, and there, you can't compare networks. Let's say. Yeah. You can't say this is like Radio Four, that is like Radio Five, that is like Radio One. But do they have a bit more variation then in this? A little bit, like there's the one general channel, which you'll find in a lot of countries. Yeah, Radio One in many countries is yeah, the yeah. general channel, and that's in, that's yeah. I mean, that's very much not what Radio One is in this country. No, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It's you know, it's it's if like a mi- general now, it's it's a cross between. It's probably like Radio Four and Radio Five Live are the the closest to general radio stations we have in a way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and uh, if you imagine that plus Radio Two. Right, so two, four, two, five, okay. and four together. Then you've got something like the national network, the the first network in many countries, um, including Ireland. So that was always on. And then you know, when when music programs would come on, my father would change Radio Four. And he, um, I remember at one point in his study, when I, I don't know about ten, listening on Longwave to Letter from America with Alistair Cook. And he sort of, my father stopped and said he remembers when he was that age listening to it with his father on the BBC oh wow and I'm not sure that that's actually technically possible if you yeah. work out the years but I don't, I don't think it is but he, he felt it was and he had certainly listened to it at some point with his father 
and then yeah we were visiting there one time and he just he decided to bring back the radio the valve radio they had that they had he had listened to all this on as a kid a oh, murphy wow. set nice wooden case and um, quite quite large really large actually and murphy is quite, i think it's possibly an irish brand because i've only ever seen them in ireland i think but they're um they're nice looking radios and he brought it home and because he was you know, he very happy to bring it home and and leave it under the stairs and, and then i plugged it in after a while and the valves heated up and you know it's really strange with the valve radio you turn it on and kind of nothing happens yeah and it takes a while to figure out if if nothing is really going to happen or if something is going to happen and i plugged an aerial in and i and like a bit of wire or something and i was able to get medium wave from wales which was exciting wow and yeah and there was shortwave on it and that got me into the shortwave thing and that that radio blew very quickly but my confirmation was coming up and i saved the money and i got a a Sony shortwave radio. Oh wow! And before, yeah, and, and that was pretty much it. I mean, my uncle was a radio producer as well. He was a sort of general broadcaster and journalist. So your dad was just a listener then. Very much so. Yeah. And yeah. his dad before him was a listener too. Absolutely, yeah. But so my you, uncle on the other side of the family was was a radio producer. So you had oh right okay so, so you had a bit of insight in, in that yeah way. so you had sort of a couple of different strands leading towards yeah this this point. I mean, since you're from Southern Ireland and you mentioned a confirmation, I mean, are, mm. you, are you a believer? Is no. That, no. <laughs> like, like most people of my generation, I would say most, yeah. I gave up the day after my confirmation. It's a very common ex- phrase in Ireland, even my age. You'll ask, they'll say, yeah, I gave up the day after my confirmation. Stop you, believing. Because you get to buy a, a radio. No, no, not at all. It's just, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm... you're beginning to reach an age where you can think about it and you're like, let's see. Yeah. true. Well, it's a, a country that's... Uh, I, if I was born I mean I, I don't I don't believe anyway but I think if I was born in in either southern or, or northern Ireland it would be hard to believe in in a religion in a in a country that's been so damaged by religion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big time. Big time. I mean my my stepdad grew up in Belfast and so in his GVA he talks a lot about the troubles but I mean a lot of people in Southern Ireland don't see that much of the troubles do they yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I mean is that what your experience? Yeah, I mean it's a difficult one because for me, you know, I've never been to Northern Ireland and I would be I'm still reluctant to go there because my accent immediately identifies me as something yeah it's probably worse having a southern Irish accent than an English accent would, it, would you say it would probably catch it toss up isn't it they're, yeah. both, they're both pretty bad in Northern Ireland but I, I, I really I don't know I just <laughs> you don't know, know. Not, yeah, yeah, you know. never um, tested the theory nationalism was very strong certainly when I was growing up and I think right. Good Friday Agreement was a real turning point point. 98% of the people voted to or ninety eight percent of the of the vote in the referendum, which was something of like sixty or seventy percent turnout, voted to remove the the passage in the constitution, which said that the Ireland the nation was the whole island. Yeah, and so I think that was kind of a turning point. But I remember there was like there was very strong nationalism, kind of by default. Yeah, sure. And people would have concern for what was going on in the north, to the Catholic community, but never really touched on me. You know, it's not really. No, well, yeah. I think it's it, you know it really depends on it's like it's, it's like anything you know. Anywhere people's stories can be very very different, just in a different village from a different village or a town from a town. You know, yeah. so you you grew up in Southern Ireland, mm. but you you didn't stay in Ireland. Mm. I guess you came to study. Was that yeah. is that, that yeah. what, what, came, how we came. how we sucked you in? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing about London. It sucks you in. You know, I, I came here to study in Soas because I wanted to go to China and so that was the first step to going to China and and second year of university was in China 
and then you have to go back to London for another two years. Oh no, I hate London. Why do we do this? By the end of third year and getting into fourth year, you're like oh, I'm beginning to like London now. I could yeah, almost. Take, stay I think here. it does take a few years to, mm. to like acclimatize to yeah. the experience, but once you kind of tune like a radio dial yeah. into the right channel. Mm. Yeah, you can sort of feel the vibe of London suddenly when you didn't before. Yeah, I suppose that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really took my time. I don't. I think it was my first year. I remember the, it was first year, but it was maybe after Christmas, and my first year of university before I, I walked from Bloomsbury to Leicester Square. You know, so yeah. But yeah, and I kept sort of thinking, "No, I'm going away." But then there, it's like there's a big elastic band that draws you back. When I left China, it was like I wanted to go to the BBC. Okay, London, London was where I was going to go. Yeah. My mother wanted me to go to RTE, and there was a big. It was strange. They were still doing this in 2004 before Christmas. They had a national exam to get into RTE. Oh right! Wow. Yeah, there was like an RTE radio producer trainee scheme or something. Interesting. And there was like this big the RTS, like a big the equivalent of going to Earl's Court, and a room full of people with like turn your paper over now, and and answer these questions and write these sort of program pitches and stuff. Yeah amazing because it's all nepotism there anyway okay um, <laughs> it really is well maybe mostly everywhere yeah that's the case though isn't it yeah but anyway so so London was going to happen that time but then I left to go to New Zealand and New Zealand was great 2007 I went to New Zealand and I stayed there for 10 months and winter came on so, oh I'm going away now what did you do in New Zealand did you just mostly working in the radio station okay <laughs> surprise <laughs> um, but also lots of natural history recording and just wandering around going for Tramps, as they call their tramping, and it's going hiking, walking. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. So you go tramping in Wilton Otari's bush. And... No, then I went to went to London while I was looking for stuff, and I went to Belgium. Okay, after Belgium, I was back sort of in Ireland for a little while while I was looking for work anywhere in the world. But I only applied for one job in London, and I actually forgot I applied for it. It was like the Guardian jobs thing. So all you do is write a cover letter. Like I think I wrote one paragraph. And click send. So it was like, it was 10 minutes or less. Right. And I forgot and I got a phone call. I remember getting the phone call from the HR person. And I was thinking, did I, did I apply? I thought I just saw that ad. I don't even remember applying for it. Anyway, so I got this job in London and I moved all my stuff over. And the job was horrific and it collapsed in six weeks. I left after six weeks. In hindsight, I, I could have left sooner. I should have left sooner. But at the time, I wanted to really make it make a stand and do my very best Try, yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's because I had moved all my belongings over if nothing else yeah. and so I was kind of stuck because I had everything I had moved over to London so what was I going to do so I, I was kind of stuck here then working with whatever I could just to get by on freelancing until I was called back to Belgium for a few months which was great but then after sort of a short contract again in Belgium I think I'm stuck in London now pretty much for the foreseeable future or well, in the darks here as well yeah in the dark kept me in london after yeah after that that's after t- 2010 basically in the dark has kept me in london and that's yeah it's worth it yeah well, I, th- I think i've probably reached the stage where if i were to go elsewhere where there's a decent decent art scene let's say i could start the local in the dark and and it would be good and successful and productive and, and enjoyable but it's so much better when you when you have a group of people who you know and who are you know are really, really good, who have these amazing strengths. Yeah, well, you guys are also committed to radio as well. It's, it's so nice to be around people who work in a medium who are passionate about it because often you can find yourself in situations in the arts where you're with yeah, people yeah. who are not passionate about the arts yeah. at all. And uh, but that's the difference yeah. between working and 
taking part in I suppose because yeah. I know that at the Beeb there were people who didn't care about radio at all it's their day job it's it was their day job and they, they hated it and whatever um, like the way I hate my day job yeah. <laughs> and most of us in In The Dark don't work in radio some of us work in audio or audio and video Yeah. but for the most part we don't and most of us are making that choice or have made that choice to say I'll have a lower standard of living I'll do a job that will pay the bills and that won't tax me too much and mm-hmm. that I, I won't expect it to be rewarding yeah those, I mean and that's pretty much my situation as well I mean that's, that's those are the decisions that I've made at the moment yeah. I mean I would like to be paid uh, to do yeah. what I love well, have you approached sponsors I will, well I, I think I will when I think when when SoundCloud gets out of beta and I actually have to pay for the yeah. for the bandwidth I will I will have to to, to think about some way of of at least trying to make it break even yeah I think I, I there's two thoughts on that one is I think the SoundCloud thing is it's kind of like the web was when it went for its first boom the first dot com bubble because these are a number of audio platforms out there I'm not going to no no but they are are out there and that they are employing people to go out there and give away their product in this battle to be the platform to be the YouTube yeah well absolutely and that can't keep going on no because they're getting not lots of non-paying customers so some, I'm I'm slightly concerned that something's going to snap. Well, I think and that it, then I think basically will. Google will step in and and and, and suck everything up. That's what, that's my sort of slight fear. The yeah, second point true. I was saying that, that when you're saying you want to at least after after you have to pay for the hosting and stuff, you want to at least break even. Yeah. I think don't think in those terms. Do not think in terms of breaking even. Think in terms of having a good living salary, a good living wage made out of doing GPA. Don't think of it in terms of oh, can you know, can you give me you know three hundred pounds and can you give me four hundred pounds? No, go approach Soros, Open Society. You've got you've got this this GBH right it should be a resource that the Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros's big thing. That's exactly what they're looking for. Now they're not looking for it necessarily in London, not traditionally, but approach them and say, look, here is this wealth of conversation with people from across a different set of social structures and who are all kind of like well we're all like one degree of separation yeah it's, it's definitely a, a really good demonstration of the kind of six degrees of separation because yeah. any a, anybody that's been on this show yeah. is one degree from everybody else exactly. that's been on this show and that's yeah. quite they're quite there is quite a wide variety of people yeah. have been on it and that's true I should do stuff like that and I probably will I, I definitely I, d- I know what you mean and I definitely want to make money from doing what I love to do and I'm start I'm lucky I'm I'm starting to get paid for some some right. stuff but it but it is this kind of catch 22 isn't it like what you're talking about is what makes in the dark so exciting is that you this is your the thing you love this mm. is your passion and that's what I love about getting better acquainted that unlike all my other projects it is the thing that I love and the thing that yeah. so when I talk about just breaking even on it Obviously, I'd like to do better than break even, but if I can, if I can just break even, then that's good with me for getting better acquainted. Okay. It wouldn't be for, say, stand up tragedy sure. or okay. oh, well, actually, I lose money on that too. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind losing money either as, as long as I can af- lose what I can afford to to lose. Yeah, totally. I mean, with SoundCloud and, and the payments, I think won't be more than other brands out there, mm. and hopefully, um, 
I'll be able to use it because one of the things I do like about SoundCloud is just it's a really nice site. It, it functions very well compared mm-hmm. to other brands that I don't want to name because yeah, I might yeah, not really use exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I met the, their sort of features guy. They have two. I think they're Ben Fox. Yeah, and I've Jim done. Colgan. I've done a GBA with Ben Fox. Yeah, I should I, listen to that. It's I haven't. Yeah, it's, it's not come out yet. But okay. when it comes out, yeah. yeah we'll, probably be interesting I don't know we'll see (laughs) well Skype's a hard thing to interview someone over did he did he not do the thing of using the Dropbox Uh, he sent his yeah he 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 used his yeah he used the SoundCloud option yeah yeah but we we spoke to each other via Skype yeah recorded recorded on 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 our end yeah 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 cool that's something that I think that they're pushing as a as a use for it for producers well I've started backing up using SoundCloud quite often there's been a couple of conversations I've done that with yeah you did it here with, with yeah. Carl and Chris yeah, that's yeah. right yeah. and Jim was saying from SoundCloud was saying that he, it's going to be less than the current cost but that's all they know or that's all they're saying I think the niche that some of these services one of these services needs to leap in and grab the niche of paid for content because what people hate about iTunes is that you can't make you can't make a paid for podcast that's as easy for people to use as all their other podcasts, and so people have to have their own sort of ad hoc solutions. And if one platform can come along and say, "Here's the premium content platform that's really easy for people to use," and they have one universal login type thing for it, mm. then so many organisations are going to say yes here we are and that would be a boon for, for us as, as audio makers yep. because more organisations would want to make more audio yeah no I mean and that's always a good thing I don't think I'm ever going to make uh, getting better acquainted a paid for no 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 thing. no I, I wouldn't either but cause just because of the nature of what it is yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that I'm even against asking people to pay for things I've certainly made CDs that I've hoped people have paid for <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think yeah it's just something of the nature of the medium but I think when I when I sort of look to try and make some money I will go to people like the organisations that you're su- suggesting mm. and I will do you know donations from audience members and see how that goes because mm. that's something I really believe in this, it, and a lot of podcasts have got to a point where they can make money just from the grace I guess of their listeners which I think is a nice yeah, system yeah. like I, I certainly d- donate to podcasts when I can afford to yeah. and that's all I would ask anybody to do yeah, yeah. who knows by the time this goes out I may have already put up donations so yeah. you know please donate if I have <laughs> <laughs> do do yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's 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 a tricky one the donations thing because it's it's supplemental Unless you're a huge show like This American Life or Radio Lab, yeah. where you have over a million downloads a month, it's going to be supplemental. Yeah. And even in their case, they probably they can only like rely on a certain figure, and then everything above that is floating. Is yeah. floating. But all and I want, supplemental is great. It, it makes a difference. Supplemental cover the yeah. cost of SoundCloud, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. And then. If 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 I, if I can persuade people to donate, it's hard. Especially, I think the UK it's a different culture as well. Like I'm I'm lucky a lot. I think about fifty percent of my listeners, or it, it changes the percentage, are Americans. So Is that may, many? Yeah, that's brilliant. Wow. Yeah, it goes up and down. Like some days, Britain's winning. Some days, America's winning. Quite often, America's winning. Actually, Britain's yeah, only started really re- recently, kind of coming up in the stakes. When initially there was more American listeners for a long time than there really? were. Yeah. I'm really surprised because well, it's a very British 
sounding podcasts. But maybe that's why it's interesting to American listeners. You know, like I like American podcasts. Part of the reason I like mm. them is because it's a different culture. So it's kind of it's it's already interesting because it's a different culture. And they hear so many different accents in this show probably yeah. than they're used to hearing. And I do have quite a few American guests here and there as well, which mm. I think was probably mm. the gateway guests that got them interested. Yeah, for sure. Gateways. Yeah. Useful. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, but I mean, it's it's it is funny. It is, but but so hopefully the American uh, listeners will be more used to to paying yeah. um, or donating. It, I did a crowdfunding campaign for Stand Up Tragedy and for Getting Better Acquainted. I had hoped to go on some road trips in 2013, but I didn't get the money, so I won't be going. And I found out from that I did, I did all right. I mean, I I made enough to pay some of my performers and stuff like this, really? which was great. Really? But I didn't hit the I didn't hit the target. But what I really learned from it was that. I don't think there's the same culture in this country of donating. Like in in America, everyone's quite used to like in NPR, their mm. version of the BBC. In a way, ha, every year has a funding drive. Yeah. The BBC doesn't have that, so yeah. people aren't used to going. We pay like we have the license fee. You don't think about it. Yeah. We all pay for it, but you don't think about it. Yeah. Whereas in America, it's much more meritor meritocratic I guess mm. which I don't necessarily believe in mer- meritocracy as a, a way of financing <laughs> the arts yeah. um, because who decides yeah. what has merit and yeah, yeah. there's a lot of complications with that but it does mean that people are prepped for yeah. supporting independent enterprise if you like in a way that we're not so much in this country yeah. so yeah. free podcasts in this country very much means free yeah. whereas in America I think people are, are a bit more aware of the, the fact that, that they have in order for free podcasts to keep coming into their ears, they will occasionally have to find a way of financing some of those people because we can't do it. Exactly. Well, we do do it for love, though. That's the that's the thing that they got over us. Yeah. Members <laughs> is that we do it for love. Yeah. So you're not going to stop doing it, you know. But the the culture there is you know it spreads. It's not just in in broadcasting. It's also in, for example, the universities. Yeah. I mean, it's a new thing here to have a library wing or, or, or a library or some spare rooms in a university paid for by a donor and, and yeah, that's named right. in that donor's honour. Yeah. In America, yeah, go yeah. for it. The Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates university building. That's great. Yeah, yeah we have a university building all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big difference. Well, that's because they don't really have, they don't do state funding very much. And right, so that's yeah. why you, that has pros and cons. I mean, um, yeah. it means you get, you know, schools sponsored by Coca-Cola and McDonald's, which is a great. Well, we, we have the Olympics sponsored by McDonald's. Guys, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so you, but you went to America um, to the Third Coast Festival mm. this year. Oh, the fan just came on fan by itself. Decided, wow, it decided it was too cold. Yeah, I'm quite cold. No, yeah, well, I so think we just, it, it made the right decision. I think and we're, so. we're, we're, we're we're near the end anyway. Oh, so, yeah, cool. Uh, so, uh, but so I happened to use my phone to see the light. <laughs> oh, wow, it's going an hour. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I only have six minutes remaining. Okay. So what I might do quickly is pause it yeah. um, and delete something, and then okay. carry on, carry on with a little bit more uh, leeway. So in this little break, just going to cover a few things from. You can tell from the recording, a few years have gone by since me and Connor recorded this conversation. Uh, I'm not sure if he has. And I think uh, he has been out of the country. I don't know if he's come back again. He's been in and out and around. I, I speak to him on social media from time to time. In the Dark is still going and doing really exciting and interesting things and they're definitely worth checking out. And I no longer have a day job and I am trying to get paid for doing the kinds of things that I I do creatively. Although lots of the time 
at the moment that's in a freelance capacity for other people soundcloud has gone out of beta and i am paying i think nine euros per month to host my podcast there i haven't yet got round to the idea of setting up donations for getting better acquainted but if you'd like to donate to the kinds of stuff i do you can go over to my other podcast site at www.standuptragedy.co.uk and over there there's a donation button and I'm definitely since I'm freelance looking for ways to to do what I do and to make money from it if you are somebody out there that listens to getting better acquainted and you have some ideas on on how to go about this please get in contact time hop tells me that it was in fact two years ago when I was doing my residency in that glass house four in the dark and had five amazing live conversations in front of audiences have a listen to those episodes if you want to get an idea of what that was all about it seems amazing that so much has happened since then and it seems very fitting to be putting out this conversation with connor on that two-year anniversary point it wasn't deliberate but it is delightful and anyway here's back to us freezing cold in the middle of the night eating crisps in a glass house I, th- I don't think I ever copied those over I think they're gone now but you know. no I had that experience recently I deleted something the uh, the only time I got somebody who I was interviewing who was a musician to play a song at the end mm. um, and I deleted her song that she'd, she'd done by accident and uh, I was so annoyed but I was in a weird position of having just recorded an excellent conversation which is why I accidentally deleted the okay. bit so oh, it was so like it's a like, catch oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sad to lose that really great moment but I I'm happy that I recorded that other great moment. Do you want me to donate a flashcard to you? No, well, yeah, I've got one as well, but I didn't have it on me at the time. I'll, I'll donate you, like, an, I'll go to Naplins. I've, I've got one. Spend I've four quid on But thanks for um, So, yeah, before I turn off the thing briefly so I could delete a, a file to give us a bit more room. Although, hang on, let's see, look, double check now I've started recording and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could go on for 57 minutes. We won't. No. We could. Yeah, I was just saying, you've gone to the Third Coast Festival this year, mm. which... Is in Chicago, am I right? Yeah, it's in a, a suburb of Chicago called Evanston, which is on the, one of the Great Lakes. I guess it's Lake Michigan, I don't and, know. And you sort of met everybody from podcasting and radio there. Kind you? of, kind of. Um, the big success for me of that was meeting these people and hanging out with them. It's funny that now that I've come back, I'm listening to the sessions online, because it was a conference. Yeah. And there was... He just stopped again. So I was listening to these sessions online and I've listened to them in the past as well and they are interesting but when I was there I think the main element of it was the social aspect now that said I mean I didn't always hang out with Nina and Sophia from In the Dark you know once or twice I hung out with Lawrence Grizel from the BBC <laughs> and Eleanor, Eleanor from, from Falling Tree so you know other people from, from London who've gone over yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was it was brilliant it was a brilliant experience um, it was exhausting I was tired that week anyway, and then you, 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 you know, I spent a grand on God, four days. That's hard. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I did enter a competition to try and get there, yeah, but yeah. I did not win it. Yeah. <laughs> so, which will be great. I mean, I don't know that I'll go back again. It's every two years. I don't think I'll go back to 2014 unless I have a reason, another reason to go to the States. Yeah. Um, that will keep me there. Um, because it was just, it was just because of the expense and a lot of the the benefits you can get from these sessions that you can listen to online afterwards 
what we've been discussing is actually with, with Nina and the rest of us who were there that since the next one is in two years time there'll be new people on the scene who we haven't met who will know but we haven't actually met Yeah. and so maybe we will go and try yeah, and meet yeah. them because that was part of that's definitely part of well, I might make that. But that's the sort of thing. If I ever get donations, that's the sort of thing I can try and do. You know, is is is, is do that sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I've, I have splashed. I splashed out this year. Bought a ticket to the story in February. Oh, brilliant! Because I, I went. I, I was paid for by somebody else a couple of years ago, and that was great. And it mm. started so many. It connected me with Carl James, and mm. I mean, it's led to a lot of things. I actually. thought you were involved with the story. No, or is, who's, who do we know? Someone has been through here that's involved with the story. No. Well, Carl James did a thing at the story, the Ministry of Stories that I did a radio show with recently. Yeah, uh, get funded from the payments to the story. They, they're one of okay. the things they, the story donates some of its ticket prices to the Ministry of Stories. Okay, but I don't know who you're. No, I don't know either. I remember I was in touch with them last year, like far too close to the, the to the day to suggest Nina as a as a guest uh, as a presenter or something yeah but she would be cool she would wouldn't she yeah um, and they said well maybe next year because we're full now but fair enough but I don't know maybe I just assumed you were involved somehow no I'm not I mean that's uh, I like the fact that people are starting to think that I'm the kind of person you do all that thing oh yeah Dave he does that stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll happily take the idea that I'm suddenly uh, becoming integral to the, the, the exactly. audio uh, landscape of London. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm cre- creating that impression frantically, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not there yet. But um, but I have been, it's been a pleasure being involved with In the Dark, I mean, and mm-hmm. doing stuff here. It's really exciting to meet people who are so passionate about audio. I guess, like before I ask you the last question, I guess, the, so you got into audio when you were a child. Mm-hmm. You've worked in audio all of this time. What is it about audio do you think that is so attractive to you compared to the other mediums mm. that you could be interested in? My answer to this is it's great. Um, <laughs> I was asked that question a few weeks ago. I was speaking for In the Dark at an event in Paris. Yeah, I know. It's very difficult. Um, and afterwards, a woman who used to work at the BBC World Service and now works at Radio France came up to me and said, Can we, can we have coffee? You know, it's room to talk about it. And she asked, and so she's an experienced radio producer, and she asked me, so why, what is it you like so much about radio? I said, well, it's great. Yeah. Why do you, she asked, why do you like radio so much? Because well, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have a TV, and I don't watch much TV online, but films are amazing, TV documentaries are amazing, sculpture is amazing, painting is amazing, poetry is amazing, Write, reading, you know, I don't read a lot, but books can be amazing. You know, it's, I, I don't discredit one, one medium... But because I like another one. Yeah, but the, that's true. But before we we started, before we started recording, you said, you know, as you said, whatever I start talking to you about will end up at radio. Yeah. And I kind of knew that would be the case. Yeah. It kind of was. So there is something about audio that has won your heart. But it, I know it's so hard to to put a finger on to, to describe that stuff. It's like if somebody asks me, I, I even find like it's not even why do you like music say or why do you like writing that's that's problematic it's it's almost like if someone says to me what kind of music do you like mm. i find that question impossible because i'm like well there are so many varieties of kinds of music i like and yeah. i don't want to pin myself down and i'm sure if if someone said what kind of radio do you like to you would you be able to answer that well question? i can i can categorize that answer okay, because in the dark does features and stories Okay, that's in the dark. Now, as it happens, I'm also a bit of a radio geek, so I quite, you know, I 
I tune around to pirate radio stations. I used to do pirate radio. I'm interested in transmitters. I'm interested in how receivers work. And I've you know I've shortwave radio, and sometimes I throw an aerial at the at the window and, and play with that. So I'm interested in that technical element of reception. Um, I have a scanner, so I listen to aircraft, listen to airband. You know, I'm, so there's all these different elements to it that I'm interested. In. I'm interested in, in microphones and, and wildlife sound recording. Yeah, well, absolutely. So these are all they're all in the same field, but I can I need to. Sort of I can categorize it into different sections. Yeah, I mean, I, could, quite, I could probably do that with music. I mean, yeah. that's definitely, I could probably say, you know, I like punk, I like, you know, I could get yeah. into the really specific genres yeah. I like or whatever. Yeah. And there's like stuff that you like to listen to and stuff you like to perform. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of the heavier, the more frantic it is, I like to perform it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, in, in terms of what I like to listen to, it tends to be much more uh, softer sound. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. That's interesting. I mean, I like both. I do. I sure. can listen to heavy, but I'm, I'm, I'm nearly. I'm. I would say I'm. I'm always in the mood for songs with kind of stories and lyrics at the front, mm. whereas I'll only sometimes be in the mood for heavy okay. music. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, so yeah. Anyway, there's an example here which this somehow does tie into radio as well. Um, <laughs> the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel I think it's a fantastic song I love you know it's someone, I'm, I'm not very sophisticated when it comes I to music I love that song too I don't I, the lyrics I think don't make sense I think no, they're silly but true. I love the song and that's a lot of, very often the case for me I'll even disagree with the lyrics of a song and I'll still really like the song and that's confusing but Paul Simon subsequently said that it was a very juvenile lyric it was like he was 20 but it was kind of like teenage angst or sort of early 20s angst he says it doesn't make sense it's a good lyric that goes with a great tune. He could have he could have put different words. Yeah, it's the work still be of, a child, happy. of a young man, let's say. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really quite sort of satisfying in a way because the lyrics do tell a story; they paint a picture. Yeah, but you know, he's like, mm, don't really like that picture, but it's it still works overall as a. Well, yeah, it's chime with a lot of people as well. I mean, I it's interesting that you say the sound of silence because I mean. The first albums I can remember being aware of are, well, albums, uh, The Greatest, Simon and Garfunkel's Greatest Hits, mm. and Carry On Up the Charts by The Beautiful South, which were played by my mum and my stepdad in the car as we drove around Southern Ireland on, a, on family holidays when I was a kid. And they're, they're like, the, that's, that was my, that's when I fell in love with Melody and yeah melody because mm. I, 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 I for ages and I think I might have said this in one of the GBA yeah. conversations in this room for ages and ages I I used to say I'm a lyrics guy but now I've come to realise that really what I am is a melody guy like it's not so much the writing it's the expression and phrasing of the music of mm. the of the words that that, that really yeah. attracts me melody isn't the word you hear very often is it but it's a it's it's really good and it's really like oh yeah that's what it is and it is that because because i do like instrumental music but it has to have a really strong melodic okay. instrument in it right that's designed to be telling the main sort of phrasing the main argument and then you can have counterpoint and all those things around it but but the stuff i like the most has a yeah has a voice mm. that's saying something unique and that's 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 what attracts me to music so it is the melody rather than the texture and the sound and the, the surrounding of it but for you in, in audio terms 
so you like stories but you also are interested in the textures as well I mean yeah, yeah. just like I mean I guess I am when I make an album I, I am very interested in the texture mm. I mean which which is which is are they both equally important to you I guess it's really hard to tell it's really hard to tell I, I um In the Dark has has lifted features up in in my sort of lift yeah In the Dark has made the feature more prominent more of a feature yeah. <laughs> very good very good we're not so tired there you go um, yeah yeah I think maybe they are all more or less equal I mean I can I can go a long stretch without turning on the shortwave radio or without building an aerial or without building a microphone or without recording anything but I'll still be listening but you know for me actually um, I think we were saying this before we started recording radio comedy is really important yeah. actually um, and something I want to try that it's it's really good for people yeah, well, I think we said this on mic did we? hooray yeah no well you sh- you, yeah I made radio comedy when I was at uni that was my f- my, one of my first things I did in radio I guess for the student radio nobody listened The you'll, you'll appreciate this the the signal from the student radio went in an, an oval around the campus because Lancaster's a campus. It went in an oval shape around the campus, so not everybody on the campus could even hear right. it. But people in sort of villages slightly nearby could just about pick it up. But it didn't even go all the way to Lancaster town, so it had the the, the smallest listen. Like I didn't yeah. the, the, the the signal wasn't. Really, I mean, it, it's done very well occasionally in the student radio awards. There's been some great radio made by Bale Rig FM. What's it called? Bale Rig FM. Ba- Bale Rig. B A I L. Yeah, R-I-double-G, I think. What does um, that mean? Uh, it's just the la- name of a, 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 a local area okay. in Lancaster. Okay. The first thing, I, I, I did a, a music show with a friend called, uh, I think it was called Teenage Kicks, it might have been it. We certainly played uh, <laughs> that song, and then yeah. sort of like, we're going to copy John Peel. Exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we, and, but I also did some radio uh, dramas with my with my a theatre company and we also I also did a comedy show called The Trailing Edge which mm. I did with some friends and so that was like my that's when I first kind of started editing and doing all of this stuff okay, yeah. which is it's because in, it's interesting when I started doing podcasting I was like I've got no background in radio and then I realised <laughs> I've been listening to radio all my life and I then I made radio when I was, <laughs> yeah. in, when I was in uni so like well, what am I talking about yeah. like I, I always sort of thought oh, I'm a theatre theatre, music and mm. writing guy but turns mm. out there was radio there all the time I wasn't paying attention I yeah. but no so I don't know why I digressed onto that I, obviously I'm more tired than I think, no I think it's, I that is, it's oh, a yeah, good point comedy yeah. Uh, yeah I used to make comedy I mean are you actually are you going to what, what's your plan are you are you are you going to make independent comedy or are you going to try and just yeah. get in you well, are I'm just going to try stuff myself with cool. friends and, and see it's always it's been rumbling away in the, in the past few months two things happened one was a friend, radio producer friend, culture producer friend said, after some emails, said, you know, your emails really make me laugh. You, seriously, you should make radio comedy. Right? Oh, I trust her judgment. And the other <laughs> thing was, we had an event in here with Michael Fenton Stevens. Ah, yes. And that's right. I had I, seen him. I did. Yeah, you were here too. <laughs> and I had seen him do recordings for BBC Comedy Recordings. I was in the audience a few times. And I've been to loads of those. That's kind of my, you know. I'm not doing in the dark. I'm going to radio recording, yeah. basically. Radio is yeah, your it's life. Free yeah. comedy. It's brilliant. 
And I've always noticed this dynamic between the producer. You know, the producer will come onto the stage at the end for retakes or whatever. And the dynamic was always always struck me as almost seem, seeming reverential in a way, whereas where the producer would would just would sort of follow the the performers every word and, and laugh at the right time kind of thing. But when Michael Fenton Stevens came in, I felt suddenly I was in that role of the producer, and it was like it, I, it wasn't voluntary. It was this he had this tractor field basically around you where you're like oh. Tractor field, tractor tractor field. beam, tractor traction beam, tractor, tractor beam. No, I think it's tractor beam. I think it's the pigs in space jokes that are getting yeah, all yeah, confused. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's tractor beam. Whatever, this distortion people, field. People will that, that 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 is how you treat them. It, it's not like you're you consciously like, oh yeah, they just have this this charisma yeah. of some sort. Some yeah, form. He, he, yeah, he definitely has that charisma. I think I've met a few comedians and comic yeah. actors and stuff who have that sure right. yeah and so you just want to sort of facilitate them you just want to it's not like you know this is good for your job like, oh no I really want to yeah I, I want to give you a prompt I want to wait for your punchline I, you know I've heard this story before but I'm going to wait because I'm going to enjoy it yeah yeah and, and that really kind of got me okay I really should it's about time to you know try this now you should getting at your feet yeah well, yeah, you definitely should. Because I mean, the last question I ask people is, "Do you have anything that you want to plug?" Mm. I mean, guess what it's going to be. Well, yeah, I, I wonder what it's going to be. <laughs> Rhymes with the schmin the schmark. <laughs> it's 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 in the dark. In the dark. Yeah, in the dark. Radio dot org is our website. Find out about monthly events and pop up uh, appearances of the Invisible Picture Palace. And all sorts of things. We are we are spreading our wings. So from uh, from twenty thirteen, we will be in London, Antwerp, Amsterdam, Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide. Wow! How cool is that? Is that what the whole like kind of groups of people similar to yourselves? We're called in the dark. It's groups of people who've contacted us and said, "Can we start in the dark?" They're not like, can we do our own listening? We're going to do our own listening. Like a syndication of... Yeah, and they've asked for that. So that's where there's in the dark. And obviously there are listening groups everywhere and they're brilliant as well. You know, anything where you get together and listen to stuff you haven't heard before is great. There's ones in in Glasgow called Lights Out Listening. There are occasionally some in Dublin, but I don't know what the name is. And then we travel occasionally to like Cardiff. And so yeah, we're yeah in the dark radio.org. That's what I'm plugging. It's really good. Come along and you know, meet some radio people. <laughs> well, I I, I thoroughly uh, endorse your <laughs> your plugging. I think in the dark's great. Um, Thank you. And you, you guys have been really nice and kind and uh, supportive to me. And I'm, I'm it's it's a pleasure to be an affiliate kind of a kind of acquaintance of in the dark. Yeah, and it's definitely it's worked for us as well. You know, it's it's sort of it's this sort of expanding thing, this broader community, and that's expanding our listening. Yeah. That's really thing. Expanding our listening. That's what we always want to do. Well, that's excellent. And yeah, I mean, you've seen this happen lots of times. The last thing I <laughs> ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, listener. Bye. find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at UBA Podcast you can find it on Facebook it's Getting Better Acquainted have a search on Facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe 
by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.